Today we welcome Will Torres, a consumer packaged goods veteran who helped brands like RX Bar, Popcorners, and Krispy Kreme, and founded Golden Dough Foods right here in Orlando, Florida. One of my mentors, uh, he had some Krispy Kreme stores, and I have always wanted to get into the donut business because I think it's such such a profitable business. And then you mentioned that you were in the Krispy Kreme business, and I was like, whoa, I got to learn from this guy. And you play golf. Yeah, so I uh, graduated in 06 um, and went up to the New England Pro Golf Tour, played up there, uh, then came back and played the Hooters Tour, which was a big... Mini tour at the time. I want you to explain the process of how you got into the game of golf because it tells us how you become an entrepreneur and what you bring from the golf game into entrepreneurship, which I think a lot of people don't know that the discipline that it takes and requires to be a professional golfer kind of helps you in other, in other things in your life if you decide not to go that way. It's almost like the military, right? Okay. You have discipline and then you go into business, you follow that discipline through. So, I mean, I got to go off at the age of 14. One of my mom's clients, uh, her her son, uh, she's like, oh, they're the same age, they should hang out, whatever. They lived in Aliqua, a place over in Lake Mary, and behind their house was the seventh hole on the golf course. And one day we're like playing basketball, doing whatever, and he's like, hey, do you want to go hit some golf balls? And I'm like, sure, like, I had no clue, right? And so we, we must have played that whole, like I told you earlier, man, if it wasn't a hundred times, it was none that afternoon. And uh, I was hooked. Yeah. It was like, you know, just trying to figure out how this worked, how you make this little thing hit the ball. And, right. um, and from that point forward, I was the range rat. And, you know, at the time, you know, uh, you know, I didn't grow up from a privileged background. I was privileged in the sense that I had a family that loved me and would do whatever to help us move forward, right? Right. Um, but, you know, I was like, hey, mom, dad, I want to play some golf. And so from a garage sale, we got this set of golf clubs, and it was probably like a, a Blade 7 iron and this, like, putter from a putt-putt place, whatever. Sure. And I was like, no, mom, like, I want to play this event coming up that's at this this golf course where Aliqua, where, where Greg lives. And yeah. she's like, okay. So, you know, we went to Sam's Club and... We got the whole the set. starter set thing that they that they do over there, and off I went. She dropped me off, and I was you know just happy. I'm gonna go play this game and play this tournament. Shoot 134, man. It was it was probably one of the most humbling experiences of my life. I'm watching all terrible. these scores come up. Think about 134. Man, Think how many doubles and quads you got there. So poor kids that played with me that day. Um, but I you know. My mom tells the story best. Like she's like, you ran to the car, told me to open the trunk, you threw the clubs in, you got in, closed the door, and uh, but I went back the next year. I mean, um, I, I I was like, you know, I'm gonna figure this out. And my parents, however they could help me, I got lessons with this guy at Deer Run. I grew up in Castleberry, so I went to Deer Run, and um, next year I went back and shot 77, finished seventh seventh place. And so for me, that was one of my first stepping stones into look. If you put your mind to something. You can figure it out. Now, you know, does that happen all the time? No. But for me, you know, once I'm into something, right. I'm full bore. And then you eventually obviously tried it and then you figured out, well, I'm not I'm not gonna be good enough to actually make it on tour. And then what happens? Because that's a shift. I mean, that's a big shift. You gotta kinda realize that, hey, I'm not gonna make it doing this shit. This is my dream though. Yeah. 
what do I do now, right? I was fortunate to meet a lot of uh, influential people, some guys that are mentors to this day through the game of golf. Yeah. So for me, golf introduced me to a network. Uh-huh. And to guys that, you know, I was in my early 20s, they were in their 50s, and, you know, uh, they had their own businesses. Uh, so one of my friends, Rick Violet, uh, a friend to this day, uh, he owns all, most of the helicopter tour companies here in Orlando. Oh, yeah. And that was the first guy I called, and, and I was like, hey, you know, uh, I'm not playing golf anymore, and, you know, is there anything for me that, I, you know, you, I, you, I can go work for you or something? He's like, yeah, come. You could do sales for me. Okay. And uh, if you know me, you know I'm a, a lot introverted. Like the Myers-Briggs test, I'm like over here. Yeah, we like were thinking that you're going to walk out if I ask you any tough yeah, questions. I've done know. it before. No. <laughs> so, you know, I, I got my first intro into sales and marketing there, marketing. So I would go to the hotels and meet with concierges and tell them about our helicopter tours. And I was also the guy behind the counter selling the tours, right? So, you know, I would... I loved upgrading people. They come in looking for the $20 tour and that you see on the big sign. And now to do inflation, it's like 40, but back then it was 20 and then you upgrade them to like a 40 or $60 tour for a family of four. And I mean, it was like a fun game for me. Right. Um, it was it, sales. It, yeah, it was like, it, was, it brought me back to like going to Chinatown with my parents in New York and negotiating with people uh, for that fake pair of Oakleys. Right? Yeah. And that was my first intro after golf. I started doing the helicopter stuff and I was pretty successful at it we had we, we had some really good years and it was great money and that same guy i started so that was for you know three and a half years oh wow yeah stayed around yeah um but in like around 2010 uh, my dad's always been in the food business he has yeah doing um, what distributor uh working for a distributor to the retail the buying side that's weird like all we different come from sides, the same all sides of the table when I was when I was growing up, the resets were like in the middle of the night. Yeah. And during the summers, I was in the stores with my dad doing resets. He worked for Iberia. Um, he worked for Goya across ah, the board. So we were in the but stores. In Puerto Rico. Yeah, here. Oh, so here. in Puerto Rico, yeah. he worked for Pueblo. Pueblo supermarket. So yeah. Pueblo transferred him. That's how we ended up here in 1986. Really. Pueblo, uh, my parents wanted to uh, move from Puerto Rico. For different opportunities for my sister and I. Okay. So we moved here and, and they transferred him to Extra. You remember Extra See, was, was here. Extra, yeah. yeah, he's like, hey, you know, have you ever thought of doing brokering? I'm like, brokering? What's brokering? What, what is it? Yeah. He's like, well, there's these brands because he was at the time he was running, he was a part of 7 Eleven Florida. Right. So it was all uh, divisionally run. And he's like, well, there's this brand that has a lot of legs. It was a company called Papa D's Nuts, um, it's a toffee peanut company. Okay. Locally owned, um, and it it was awesome. They did great branding and all that stuff. He's like, you know, I'm thinking about bringing this in. Are these the people that continue now going calling themselves these nuts? No, no, <laughs> a different company. Is it? But um, they, he's like, you know, they're not too sure what they're doing, but I think you could help them. I'm like, Dad, I don't, I don't, don't know. Anything, I don't know yeah. anything. He's like, well, I'll coach you. So that's how it kind of started. And, and they were great guys. We met one day for lunch, and they're like, yeah, we'll work with you and. Little they know, it's like fake it till you make it, right? Um, and so we started doing stuff there. They introduced me to another brand, which introduced me to another brand. All of a sudden, I have a little little brokerage of a bunch of startups. Okay, um, and that's kind of how. And in those times, you were trying to sell to all the supermarkets, or were you going like Seven Eleven gas stations, all that, right? Yeah. So I was trying to go after big box retail. Big box. Okay. Yeah. So Target, Seven Eleven, all the big boys. 
I didn't know anything. I didn't have any relationships, so I didn't know who the small distributors were. I didn't know any of that stuff. But while I started that brokerage in 2010, I was still working at the helicopter place. And I started to get some meetings at corporate headquarters for some of the things I was doing. And I, I leave to go to this meeting, and I get a phone call. It's like 8 o'clock in the morning. And Rick's like, Will, where are you? I'm like, I'm in Dallas. He's like, what are you doing in Dallas? You're late for work. And I was like, dude, I thought I put it on the schedule that I was going to be gone for three days. He's like, no, you didn't. He goes, we got to talk when you come back. And when I got back, he was like, look, man, I love, you like, I love you like family, but you're out. Okay. I said, Rick, this other business, like I'm just starting, it doesn't make any money. Like I oh, can't, shit. man. Like I, I have like condo. I, I'm trying, yeah, like, yeah. So, trying to figure out how I'm going to save this. And he's like, no, nah, man, you'll thank me later. But you're out. And that was probably the biggest turning point. You know, you don't know where you're at till you're back against the wall. And you mean, do they fire you? <laughs> my dad? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. So I'm like, holy shit, how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to pay this car? Was this in 2010? In 2010, almost 11. How am I going to pay my car, my rent? So broke my lease, moved back in with my parents. Okay. In my mid 20s. I'm like, oh, this is great. Um, but I went full bore with the brokerage, started going to trade shows, mm -hmm. um, doing all kinds of stuff, and slowly but surely started building a, a portfolio. How long did you do the bork brokerage before you go into your crispy? Your, into your crispy. Uh, 2015, it kind of turned, and 2015 was an interesting year because I had this brand called Cherry Bundy. It was a tart cherry juice, or is a tart cherry juice, and. That was probably one of the companies I learned the most from of things that I thought were great. Like I learned a lot about sales and operations. Mm -hmm. I also learned about leadership styles. Um, there I was fortunate enough to be under and learn from two guys, one that was a president of Odwalla for PepsiCo, um, and the other one was uh, ran a Pepsi, uh, ran Coca-Cola for Las Americas, like all the bottling groups. Oh, wow. So these are two big, big guys. heavy hitters. Yeah that got brought in by private equity to grow this juice company. And so, I mean, I learned from one of them true leadership and servant leadership, and from the other one, the hard knocks leadership style and the, you know. How did they defer? Uh, one was a CEO, so he he ran the show. Okay. Um, but, you know, how they differ? So, the, yeah, I'm yeah. saying, like, the CEO had this hard knock probably mentality. No, he was the... He's the servant He's guy. the servant leader. Like, you're going up that hill, and he's coming up. Then he goes to the bottom, starts pushing people up. Okay. Then you had another guy that, you know, hey, if he got to the top and you were struggling, he'd just end you, right? Really? Yeah. Um, but he was, a, he was also great. One of the kindest people. Just his leadership style was totally different, and I learned from him probably more than I've learned from any other uh, person I've worked for. Why, though? Things that I didn't want to do, things the way I didn't want to do things. Oh, really? Because um, you always know what you want to do. What, what do you think is right? What you think is right. Because your values are aligned to this yeah. certain way of leadership, yeah. right? And like I said, I, I learned a bunch from him, too. I learned a lot about operations. He was a great operator. Um, but there were certain things that he did that I just didn't want to do or be. Is there anything that you can recall to this day that he did that kind of made a really big impact in your leadership style? The I mentality. The I? The I mentality. He just so, thought about himself? So anything that happened good, it, it was, was high. 
anything that happened poorly, it was you. I believe in that team mentality. There's still you within that team. Mm-hmm. But at the, end of all, at the end of the day, it all ends with you, falls with you. If you're the leader of that business, it's your responsibility. It's we. Mm-hmm. It's we. And, I, and, and, you know, I, it was a great lesson for me. You know, um, I, I'm very careful in the way that I write emails or talk to people. Um, not careful in the sense of like, I'm going to offend somebody, but just mm-hmm. it's always about inclusion. Like this morning, I sent an email to my team, and it's always without them. I this is have, not going to work. Business, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Even my sales guys today, I tell them, if this thing goes, like this new business goes. You guys are all going to make good money. It's because of you guys. It's not mm-hmm. because of me. And yeah. if it goes down, it's because of me because yeah. I didn't have the right idea. Right. So or I didn't push you right. Correct. So, um, you know, so 2015, like I said, was an interesting year. Um, I was working for Cherry Bundy at the time as a broker. And it got to the point where they, they kind of felt I was making maybe – too, too much, much money, money on the broker side. So it was almost like an ultimatum. Come work for us. Here's your comp package. Um, you're no longer just going to be a broker collecting commission, your company, but you can't do these other brands that are in your brokerage, your dedicated employee. And so I went to my wife. At the time, I have an eight-month-old daughter, okay? My daughter was born in, in uh, January of 2015. Okay. And I said, Ash, this is what... This is what's going on. This is what the options are. She's like, what are you going to do? I said, I think I need to take it. She goes, why? Are you scared? I said, what? And I said, well, well, we have, we have, uh, you know, Zoe's eight months old. Like this is the biggest piece of our income. And mind you, it's the biggest piece of our income, but we're probably a hundred plus thousand in debt. Okay. She's like, no, we're not doing it. We had a phone call with you know her her family. I had a phone call with my parents, and I, just to talk it through, right? Like as advisors and the, what did her family say? We'll we'll support. We'll help you guys out if it doesn't work out, but don't do it. Don't do it. Oh wow! And my parents are. It's a different school, a more conservative. Like, sure. You know, I know what hey, your parents came back saying. Go. Go get go, that, go, go get that Security, job. you have a daughter, yeah. right? And, and both want the best, right? And But, you know, I ended up not taking it. And it was only a matter of months later that I get a phone call regarding an opportunity to consult for Krispy Kreme. Okay. And had I taken that job. You weren't getting that phone call. Or if I did, I probably would have said no. And the reality is, uh, had I stayed with the company, Cherry Bundy, I probably would have been fired in s- less than six months. I'm not a good employee. Why fired, though? Be- is that company just, still around? Or oh, did, yeah, they yeah. Push it, did they no, push they, it along? Yeah, they're still they're still around. They're doing well. Oh, they are. Um, but I'm just not a good employee. I, I, oh, don't I like worry. To run. I'm a terrible employee. Yeah, I like terrible. to run at my own pace. Yeah. Um, I also don't like to be treated like an employee. I treat everybody as a, they're a partner. They're part of this team. So mm-hmm. the the word employee to me doesn't exist in our in our culture at Golden Foods today. Mm-hmm. It didn't exist in TSW Foods where we held the rights to Krispy Kreme. We were all a team. A little bit of the history there. Then you become an advisor for Krispy Kreme, or is just to explain that a consultant? Yeah. So John Shelley, who's my partner um, mm-hmm. in that business, he. Uh, he had been doing some stuff for Krispy Kreme as well for the military. That was his focus, the military channels. And uh, the opportunity came up to consult, and we, we consulted for him. 
and he was the gray hair. I'm the 32 year old with all these crazy ideas and, and all my ideas of, so they wanted to have national distribution. Sure. Right. Uh, very much like hostess or little Debbie. Mm-hmm. Um, their current platform was direct store delivery. So you have this shop here. So they had the responsibility to deliver to the stores, their shops. Yeah. So like when you see stuff in Publix, sure. That comes from estate. the shops. Yeah. Yep. From the shop down. Um, so they, that's a big part of their business plan. Yeah. It's huge yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and they, so they wanted to try to see how we could, distribute this on a national level platform. And for me, uh, 2010 to 2015, I consider that the extension, LTD Management Group, which was my brokerage, that was an extension of my bachelor's degree. And <laughs> learning, building relationships, learning about manufacturing, supply chain, packaging. And those are all the things that were necessary to execute a program like what Crispy wanted to do. Right. So what started off as consulting turned into owning the brand rights to Krispy Kreme for North America. And so all all channels, excluding grocery and mass, which is like Publix's and, and sure. Walmart, but we had the rest of the channels. So you were supposed to sell to small stores, yeah, the distributors, stores, whatever. The distributors, the retailers. So like- Were you getting that for the stores then? So you were doing that work basically for all their units? No, not for their units. So this was, their units were separate. Those kept operating the way they were operating. Were you and manufacturing though? We were doing many. We were doing manufa- contract manufacturing, uh, contract manufacturing, and then from soup to nuts, we ran everything. We ran everything. And then you put everything on the, the Krispy Kreme brand. Everything was on the Krispy Kreme brand. They had final say on everything, approvals, everything. But we managed the business A to Z from there. And it uh, wasn't only donuts, right? You were doing donuts, other stuff. honey buns, honey buns. Everything you see in that cat of fried pies, okay. cinnamon rolls. With the Krispy Kreme. With the Krispy Kreme brand. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. And and we had, you know, proprietary Krispy Kreme things in that to make it identifiable to them. Um, but, yeah, that was amazing, amazing run that we had. Well, I mean, you, you learn everything you know. Yeah. Right, and that portion. Obviously, you, you, you created that first five years where you had, you had to learn the back the yeah. back end of the business and now you're producing and you're being able to use the contacts, I bet. Right. Yeah. And like during that first five years, you know, um, some people forget about the assistants. They always focus on the category managers at the retailers. And I was taking the assistants out to the dinners with the category managers. Um, whenever you know, we had a dinner or whatever to talk about stuff and I'd always make include them. And a lot of these assistants became the category managers. A lot of the guys that, you know, were in the distributorships, some of the large distributors became friends. We were in the same place in life. We're both in our early 30s or, mm-hmm. or late 20s. Trying to figure it and out. we have kids. And so you develop this network and this brother-sisterhood, right? And and uh, I was I was hoping, because my responsibility in TSW, where we held the rights for Crispy, was the front end, the front sales and marketing. Okay. And, and and obviously, I built out the back end of you know the pricing model, all the other stuff, right? Operationally, my partner ran the back office, the accounting, and and all that supply chain side. But I was hoping that all those relationships that I cultivated over the first five years, four and a half years of would help me, you along. They would show up to the table because it didn't show up to the table. What what Krispy Kreme banked on us executing would have would have not come to life. Okay, and and they did. Everybody showed up to the table. That means you build really good relationships. They're authentic. 
authentic. Yeah. That's big. Yeah. People don't know that that's, I mean, there's certain moments in your life that you're obviously building these relationships that are really authentic. I mean, some people build them inauthentically by just taking advantage of that situation. But I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to develop that relationship over the years. And then hopefully, yeah, yeah it pays out in the sense of you get some help. Yeah. I was never the guy like one, I didn't have it, but to, you know, to I, I remember no, seeing no. like tickets flying on my dad's desk for floor seats at the magic or whatever from different vendors. And yeah, sure. I, sure. I, and, and for me, like I've always been, one thing I've been is consistent in who I am. And if I'm not really into the vibe that you're like, I don't care if you, you run the whole company. I'm not going to sell you. We're not, I'll sell you. But I'm not going to go over and above and go out to dinners. I go out. I do that with people that I enjoy their company. Sure. And to this day, I do the same thing. Like, if I don't really enjoy a company, why am I going to dedicate why, time? To yeah. You? Why am I going to do that? Yeah. You know, um, I'd rather be at home with my family. Sometimes we get into all that, you know, motion that you think that's what's really going to help you, and at the end of the day, it's not. Yeah. Like you just have to deal with people that you like doing business with. That's it. And if not, just keep moving. Yeah. There's more business down the street. Correct. So you did that. Yeah. Your leadership style in that company, was it different to your current leadership style? Same. 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 And, you know, I always used to tell my director of sales, I was, you know, I don't care. Like before COVID happened, I didn't care if he was in the boat in the middle of the ocean. As long as you're getting your work done and you're executing things, mm -hmm. we're good. And, you know. You were in a helicopter boss? No. There's I, some helicopter yeah, bosses. I, I, if, if you're in the role that you're in, my expectation is that you're going to do what you're supposed yeah, to what be you're doing. Yeah, what you're hired to do. And, yeah. and, and this business is very simple to know if you're doing it or not because either the numbers are coming in or they're not. <laughs> True. Right? The money has been great. But I've never chased money in anything I did. I mean, hell, I was helping brands out in the red mm -hmm. in the brokerage business, but still going because eventually something would turn. So that was your idea back then? Hopefully something turns. That's it. And my wife, she was not. She was, I've seen you bust your ass since 2010. You ain't quitting now. Really? Yeah. So when you decided to make the, the, the go-ahead to Krispy Kreme, was she supportive of it? Oh, yeah. I mean, we had so many ups and downs in that process because, like, we have the contract. We don't have the contract. We have the contract. Oh, really? And then finally, we, we executed the contract in December. It happened really fast. It was like December, January. It felt, it felt like it took forever, but it was actually rather fast. And they were like, hey, how long do you need to launch this thing? And I was like, I don't know, six months or so. We launched in four months. Because, again, everybody that I had developed relationships with, they from were the ready manufacturers to, go. to everything, they were like, boom, let's go. Let's go. And, and off we went. I mean, my graphic designer that I met in 2010, who's with me to this day, making things that I come up with, bringing them to life. He was there. We were on the phone call and on, we didn't have Zoom then, but on phone calls, it was, you know, two, three in the morning. And we'd be doing edits to packaging because Krispy Kreme gave us the assets and said, mm -hmm. you guys go with it, go with it. Mm -hmm. And we send it to Krispy Kreme in the morning. Well, obviously, they're super busy there. They don't, you know, we're just a tiny piece, not even a blip on their radar. And so they, their uh, marketing team would look through it, put all the X's and revisions. Five o'clock that night, he'd finish his regular job, 
We get back on the phone oh, really? again. That was like 30 days. That's how we got, we're able to finish all the packaging stuff. Yeah. Cause packaging is difficult. Yeah. That's yeah. probably the most difficult. It's more difficult than the product. Yeah. Cause you have so many things right there at the store. Sure. And for somebody to pick up your stuff, you gotta be, yeah, you gotta it. be very important. So you do that and then boom. Yeah. It, it was ends. crazy. Yeah. It ended. We, we grew it quickly. So 20 from 25th, 2016 to 2020, we did over 280 million in retail. Four and a half years. Excuse me. Mm. We went, yeah, 280 million. That's a big jump. In retail dollars. Zero to 280. Whoa. Yeah. And then as you went. Just <laughs> <laughs> screaming yeah. halt. Like, <laughs> um, but, you know, it was, I, I, like I said, the LTD was an extension of my bachelor's degree. Sure. TSW Foods was my MBA. That opened the opportunity for my doctorate, which is what I'm doing now. And how did know, that come about? Tell us a little bit more. I didn't know what the heck I was going to do, man. Because you know, that came to an end. Boom. Yeah. Talk about everything going to a donut, a donut hole, income, everything. It was just zero. 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 When the clock turned to January of 2021, as we're entering COVID, okay. we're entering all this stuff. You know. You and, mean January 2020? Uh, it ended in no, it ended in 2020, but 21, okay. COVID was still happening. It's still sure. Was, so you're trying to figure yourself. You're saying you're trying to figure your life out. Yeah, January 2021. Yeah, Whew. clock turns, and I'm at this point, man. I, I'm I'm pissed at the whole world, right? Something I built. I mean, I bled Krispy Kreme, and it was it over. was gone. It was over. It was done, and and not not because of you. Just because of, you know, no, not because of us. Right. And, so then. And not, not our choice. And so, you know, one was explaining to the retailers and all those people that stood up for you what happened. And I remember being on calls with major retailers, like five, number you know, top 10 in the world. Okay. And the category manager's like, you're going to have to talk to my boss. And I'm like, sure, whatever you need. I'm like, what's up? I'm going to have, you know, $1.82 million hole in my PL. I'm going to get fired. Holy shit. And I'm like, <clears throat> let me know who I need to talk to. Happy to talk to them. Really cool thing about that was that I not only was able to communicate with them and, and kind of share what happened um, for what I could share, but, you know, uh, I got to meet their bosses, which, again, <laughs> when I'm doing what I'm doing now, plays another role right but everything happens for a reason man that 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 tsw Krispy Kreme experience changed my life sure changed you know well you went to brokerage everything. now you now you're in a business yeah that you've been able to understand with a major brand yeah that made probably walking into that door just a bit easier no yeah it did it did it was it was hard to sell it in because a lot of the things we did were already in the category right so the, the powdered sugar donuts, the the stuff. But yeah, but not with that name. Not man. with that name. That brand is, the brand equity it's huge. that they have is unmatched, man. Mm -hmm. um, so it was difficult getting in. Once it was on the shelf, the consumer responded because everybody has their Krispy Kreme story. Sure. I remember getting on planes with my Krispy Kreme logo on and Man, it doesn't matter who it was. They'd be talking to you, telling you their Krispy Kreme story, how one time they were, you know, in Mississippi in this area or in Florida going to Disney or 
their grandpa or grandma used to bring them a dozen donuts or, you know, everybody has their Krispy Kreme story. So it was very relatable once we were on the shelf. And that's how we grew. Um, our sales team did a great job putting it out there and the customer responded. responded. What impulses you, because you're basically, I know Golden Dough is bringing donuts right now. Yeah. This is your main focus, right? Yeah. Why did you only choose donuts? Or is this just a process yeah. so you develop the other stuff? I, I think we're, we're going to be donuts. You're going to focus on donuts. Yeah. yeah. Um, we have proprietary technology in donuts, um, full-size donuts, and, you know, it, it might be like a far-fetched dream, but I, I do want to be like the Oreo of donuts. <laughs> it's not right? a far-fetched dream. So I you, love Oreos. Yeah, when you look at Oreo, you have like the vanilla cream filled or the chocolate cream filled mm -hmm. but then they're always in front of the customer with this flavor the and that flavor flavors, all the yeah. limited time offerings mm -hmm. right i want to be that for the donut category um and what i'm doing now you know like i have golden dough and co so golden dough foods has two brands golden dough and co and then la panera de yeah, dulce yeah, yeah, and that was to that. that was something that i'm like in the middle of the night i wake up and i'm like I need, this to, is have, what the I need business, to do something. Yeah, the business was missing that actually. Yeah, for the Hispanic consumer. Yeah. And you have your big players like Bimbo and all of them. They've all done a great job, but, you know, the innovation's not there. Yeah, but I think that the shift in that business, obviously with technology, because it's changed so much, right? Mm -hmm. That business was so antiquated and the big players were the guys that were really moving the business along. And now you have all these startups that have come about, even during and after COVID yep. um, that a lot of people were just trying to be ingenious and try to figure out how, what to do and not to do. And you know, the snacking business is huge. Oh, it's huge. I mean, if you look at just convenience alone, packaged pastries, so like honey buns, packaged donuts and all that, it's a $2.6 billion animal just in convenience stores. Wow. That doesn't include everybody else. And so I was just trying to figure out, you know, where are their open gaps mm -hmm. and you know, Where's your niche? Yeah. And and with COVID, just accelerated that because I wanted to do package. I wanted to focus on packaged pastry. Okay. That's that's where I dug in. That's where I was successful. That's where you were strong. And it just happened that COVID made even more relevant what I was trying to work on to put a full-size donut into a package. So now it's basically Can you help me start a cinnamon roll company? Because I've been talking about cinnamon roll now for the last two weeks because I love cinnamon rolls. And I, and I feel like... People are just missing it. Well, that's just me. Anyways, we could talk about it later, but keep going. I didn't even know I was going to get into this stuff, right? Because, like I said, I was pissed off at the world, pissed off at the food world. I'm, I'm just looking at window washing companies. I'm looking at all these different trades, and it's like mid-February. My wife's like, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what the hell we're going to do. Like, I, I can't go work for anybody. Sure. And I, have and I have job offers, right? People know free agency, right? And, and I built a pretty good business, so why not take those assets and go work for them, right? I mean, I during COVID, I I offered the guy that was doing the pressure washing at the store to buy his route, because I was nervous. I was like, what else do I do if this shit don't work? Yeah. Um, and I had, I mean, at that point, I was also closing a store, and I thought, like, my life is over. I should just try to get another job somewhere else, because I don't think we're going to be opening more restaurants. Yeah. No, I mean, and I have three kids, right? Yeah, that's a different story Seven, there. five, and two, right? That's right. So it's like, well, what am I going to do now? And she's like, legit, she's like, 
You've always wanted to have your own brand. Okay. We, we have the ability to do it for you to do that. You were working on something back in COVID, like beginning of COVID. I started one of my friends, uh, he has a commissary mm-hmm. and I know that honey buns are made out of yeast, mm-hmm. yeast dough. So I was trying to make these honey buns in the shape of donuts and trying to make them last. All right. And I kept staling and staling and staling. I mean, I have pictures of our of our cabinet, uh, our uh, countertop at the house, and it's just donuts everywhere, shaped donuts and staling. And I'm like, damn it. So anyway, I put it on the back burner. She's like, that thing you're working on, why don't you try to figure that out? Mm-hmm. Slept on it. I'm like, damn it, she's right again. She's right again? <laughs> she was right in 2015. <laughs> she's right again. Right? And, and so, yeah. So, so off I went, man. It was, uh, made some phone calls. Next thing you know, I'm, I'm up at our facility that we're using today. Mm-hmm. And we're doing test runs, and I have the food scientists there. Mm-hmm. Um, How long did it take for you to get a product that you were happy with from the moment you decide to do this? Thankfully to the team that we have. I know. They went all in. It was about three months. And then it was perfecting. In the background, I'm working on packaging. And I'm, you know, I'm telling Matt, look, I want to see this, this, and this. And he puts it together. And then I print it out. And then I cut things out. And I redo it. And the, the final packaging of what we're actually launching with, I sketched it on a blank piece of, uh, we had a wrapped donut, clear wrapped donut. And I sketched it all in there, sent it back to him and said, I think this is what we got to do. And he made that thing come to life. And that's, that's what's coming out in the market in the next few months. So this is a different story, right? Because this is all you. All me. We, you know, it, you know how social circles can be, right? People wonder, oh, what the heck's going on? Because we sold our, our house. Mm-hmm. We were building our dream house. We stopped that in trust phase. Backed out of that, sold that. Did you sell? Yep. Cool. Um, so we, we liquidated everything, and we're all in. I said, my wife's a badass. I mean, she's going to say, oh, she's going to pull this up anytime we have a, a, a little dispute and say, hey, remember what you said uh, <laughs> on that podcast? No, but... Um, she's a badass. Yeah. But she is, man. She's ride or die. She understands the business. She I can, mean, you got three kids together. You, she better be ride or yeah. die. <laughs> no, I know. But she understands the business yeah. that I'm in. I get what you and mean. And it's just... Well, that's important, right? Because at the end of the day, like you, you, whoever you're with has to be very supportive of whatever you're trying to achieve. And it's tough because yeah. they also have a dream too. Yeah. So that's 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 commendable. I mean, that's, that's big. Yeah. That's big. Leadership. It goes back to leadership though, right? Because yeah. you were able to execute this in three months. You probably have, I would say, the best food scientist in the in the nation i i would say that i had the best food scientist around some so, people might so you did the right things right you find the best food scientist you already know because of your master's degree right yeah. how to how to market it so what's been the toughest part because brands believe it or not i i i met this gentleman has 150 businesses and he says all my brands took about 10 years to get to where you know i knew that they were safe yeah he was weird about it but i thought man you know for me it's been eight years developing the brand and now at eight years is when i'm seeing you know it really take off yeah do you feel 
because you build those relationships before and now you're walking in the office with your brand, it's been a lot easier to do that? Yes, and I think also the innovation and the differentiation of the product. We're not a me too, mm -hmm. right? And so, again, I banked on the fact that everybody that we built the other business with, all the retailers and wholesalers, would step up again and support this, and they have. I mean, yeah. Here we are, over forty meetings in, we're still batting a thousand. So, I, I wanna, I, I want people that are listening to this to understand how hard it is to basically sell this snack across the United States. You've been traveling now, what, two months? Yeah, uh, going on three, yeah. Two straight yeah. months. How many miles have you logged? In two weeks, we logged like 21,000 miles. 21,000 miles. Air and land. How have the meetings gone one by one? Has it gotten better from the beginning? Like, you know, the first, who's the first meeting you took? was back actually in October with one of the largest distributors um, for the for convenience, the convenience store. Yeah, okay. convenience and drug and uh, that was the first one and how did that one go it was awesome you know again they showed up to the table usually the way it works is you got to get the retailer to say I want this they tell the distributor bring this in mm -hmm. you don't usually get your item numbers until there's a pull side okay and they said we got your back so they gave you, yeah. They gave you distribution they gave us, numbers. They gave us our distribution numbers, oh and that's my. the way it's been right now. And then now we're obviously meeting with the retailers too. Okay. And they're also saying yes. Yes. The quality of the product, like I, I believe that. Are you a product guy? Because I'm a product I am, guy. I am. I really, really, really believe my that passion, if you have a great yeah, product, it. and then you build a great team, that there's no way that you won't succeed. Yeah. I see it a little bit differently though, because I believe in people process mm. product. Marcus Lemonis coined it. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe in that product, in that product yeah. mentality. The issue is though, again, it goes back, like if you don't believe in the product as a salesperson or as even working for that company, it's a tough time. 100%, and that was the biggest thing. Like my, my VP of sales, one of my mentors, mm -hmm. met him in 2013 and helped me along the way. When I was doing the crispy thing, he was the guy I'd send my pricing models to, my sales promotions to, to say, hey, does this look good to you? And this guy never asked for anything back. And he saw what this thing came to. And I always told him, one day, man, we're going to work together. Right. And so when this started doing when I started doing this, man, I called him. And I knew, look, it's not going to be inexpensive. But I knew he's the guy I needed. Right. And it's not about, you know, he took a big haircut to come work, to come be a part of this team. And it wasn't, it was more to me convince him about the product. And I chased him. I, I flew to Indianapolis when nobody was going to a trade show because I knew he was going. Oh, really? Hounded his booth. I was just like a shark, just circling his I booth. I have two guys that I'm trying to do that. Yeah. One sitting in the room here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, followed him to, you know, another trade show. And then I finally said, man, just meet me in Dallas. I got product for you to try. Met with him in Dallas. He tried the product. He looked at me and says, I'm in. Okay. My most interesting view on that is, and I think you should explain to people, you guys are traveling now to go sell this thing, right? Yeah. And you're trying to save money. So yeah. you're staying in Embassy Suites. That's it. Right? Yeah. And 
I told where, I told, where do you sleep? I sleep on the couch. He gets the room. And and you know, my wife's like, Are you sure he's fine? I'm like, and, and you know, he's a senior guy. He's, he's not a senior guy. And uh I asked him, that was one of the first things I asked him. I said, Are you okay sharing a room? And this was like before he committed. He goes, Oh yeah, of course. I don't think that when we checked into the hotel and he didn't have his own room, I don't know what the hell he was thinking. He's like, Oh shit, this guy was for real. Yeah. But we walk in the room and I'm like, Hey bro. I got this. The fun part of the project is the development side. A lot of people think that it's fun to operate their, you know, for us, restaurants every day. And I think the best part of all of this where you need to enjoy is the trip getting to opening day. Yeah. Because there's so much shit that happens in between that on opening day, you're like, whoa, I hope this works, right? Yeah. And you're like... <laughs> Shitting your pants. I mean, there's no other word for it. Shitting your pants. You're trying to figure out. Hopefully, this works. You're 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 open for business, right? Yeah, we are. We started shipping. You started shipping. I mean, your baby's out there on the street. So now, now you've tried the product in the background. You've put it out there. You're ready to go, and now you have to have the acceptance of the customer with an unknown brand. With an unknown brand, sure. Yeah. Right. I mean it's it's the hardest part because you you i bet you sit at home doubting yourself so many times is this going to work is this not going to work i mean we all like to think that we think that everything we do is going to work but sometimes it just doesn't correct you know i tell my girlfriend all the time like sometimes it's just not going to work dude like we, you go to the best of intentions you try to build this brand up you try to create this special mesh of things that you want to create in the restaurant business and you think it's going to work and all of a sudden people are like i don't like the product or i like the product and that takes off yeah i think that's for me that's the fun part of all this it is and it's nerve-wracking you know especially you know like i said crispy cream once it was on the shelf people knew it this has been by far the easiest selling i've had in anything i've ever done and it's not because of me. It's my sales team puts the quality of the product is there, right? But people don't know the brand. So I have to figure out how I'm going to drive the pull side. How am I going to get people to pick it up? Right. And, you know, uh, the only way I knew how is to get a PR agency. And that PR agency has just tried there, to push her along. So now we're, we're working on not only from the consumer side, but also an industry side. It's all a whole new world to me. Sure. Never had to do this before. And, you know. So now you have to understand that. Just, I'm learning. Yeah. Everyday learning. I, I'm an operator by default. That's not my passion. My passion is creating and developing. Exactly. But but people people tend to think, you know, oh, you're so lucky. You figured out what you want to do with your life. And they think that's your passion. And I, I tried it. I mean, listen, man, yesterday I was, it, it was the craziest story. I was at this restaurant downtown Mexican restaurant. I go to the bathroom. Okay. I'm walking into the bathroom and this guy's coming out of the bathroom and he looks at me and he goes, pick Floyd's. And I go, shit. Like, but this guy was drunk, unfortunately. And all of a sudden he goes, Hey man, I need to ask you for some advice. And I'm like, I'm going to pee, bro. Like he's like, yeah, I'd like to know what is the one thing that's been the toughest for you. And I go, sir, can you tell me exactly what business you're in? Because it seems to me like you're in the restaurant. And he goes, yes, I'm in the restaurant. Business. And I go, your restaurant's not doing good, huh? He goes, it's not doing good. We got into it. 
And I go, it's funny because I tried to buy that restaurant before you did. And you bought it. And I'm still interested. So let's talk. <laughs> and that's Opportunity what, in the Yeah, magic. yeah, I'm going to see it today. Yeah, that's awesome. But it's just funny that like so random on a Sunday afternoon that I ran into a guy. It just works sometimes like yeah. that in business. And people yeah. don't understand that. You th they think you're lucky or that you've put yourself in that position. And sometimes opportunities just circumstances just come your yeah. way. I believe in circumstantial luck. So people have said, oh, this last thing, lucky. Bro, they don't know I was digging my teeth in. So that's the thing, too, with people don't understand. And they're starting to see, I guess, on my end now, like, I I have very few friends for probably a reason. I'm just mm -hmm. not that attentive. Like, I don't answer. You said the other. You, call, you don't fucking answer your phone. Yeah, You're terrible at it. I know. And, and so, you know, it's not because. No, I get it. For whatever reason, you know, it's just the way I've always been. And people saw me in a certain light for the last five years. I was always playing. I was playing a lot of golf. I was doing certain things. And um, now I'm like not playing any golf. Very, very rare. And they're like, oh, you know, you don't hang out anymore. You don't this or that. Yeah, I Listen, work. man, you didn't know me when I was doing this. 20, 2010 to 2015, sure. you saw the upside. I met you during the upside. So it's back to the grind. This is very interesting. What I want to do, though, is I want to interview you in a year because I like to see how the development of the brand and you as an entrepreneur, because this, I'm telling you, this is completely different to what I think you were doing before. Like creating a brand, yeah. I think it's just going to be such a learning experience. Because before you were doing, you were lucky in the sense that you had a brand that got you in the door. Correct. Right. I know you developed the product and you developed yeah. the system, but the brand really helped you get in that door. So 100%. I'm, I'm excited for you, man. I'm really, really fucking excited for you. And I hope we do business together because I, I want to open Sugar uh, Daddy. Sugar Poppy. Uh, sugar Poppy. Yeah. yeah. Be, be right. Okay. Not Daddy. Sugar Poppy. Thanks for coming on. Man. I appreciate, appreciate you. it. Yeah. Hey, thanks for watching. I'm going to sit here to you subscribe. Hello? Subscribe.